Well, let's jump straight into it. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high. If you are using a Samsung 8, a little bit higher. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will hear from God's word. And it will change my life because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Still talking about and doing groundwork, building up to next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be amazing. We are unpacking our vision for 2018. It's our vision Sunday. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited and you better be excited. Amen. Uh, So doing our groundwork, last week we talked about how you can be a part of what God is doing globally. And we discovered that the gospel is moving. It's a movement and it's happening globally. And you can be a part of what God is doing everywhere in the world. Amen? And we saw a lot of people open their homes to uh, start new life groups. We saw a lot of people join uh, new life groups, which is a blessing. We love you and uh, we thank you for doing so. Amen. Today we are moving right along and talking about how you can be a part of what God is doing within the church. I'm talking about the whole body of Christ and by getting involved with the local church. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about serving. The Bible says something very interesting. It says the kingdom of God is forcefully moving forward or advancing. And it is the forceful or it is the violent that take it by force. In other words, the kingdom of God is this one gigantic Airbus 380 going somewhere. And it is those that are involved in it that are going with it. So as the Airbus progresses, there's something called uh, inertia or momentum that we studied that you carry the same speed of the vehicle that you are sitting in. So if the Airbus starts moving at 838 kilometers per hour, Uh, 33,000 feet, you are moving at the same speed. And when you get involved with what God is doing in His kingdom, the kingdom of God is progressing. Your life cannot help but progress with it. Amen? So the question today some may ask is, why should I even serve in the local church? And here are some answers. The first one is so you can be a part of what what God is doing in the earth realm. How many of you know that the church is the visible representation of an invisible kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is invisible. Jesus says, some will say it's there, some will say it's over there. But no, it's not. But what is the representation of that invisible kingdom? It is the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The church is not Faith Hill Church. The church is not Pastor T leading the church. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, when God brings us together as the called out ones to touch and agree on decisions. In fact, it's a political word. Church, ecclesia. Jesus could have used a religious word, synagogue, but he didn't. He reached out into the political arena. You know why? Because the church is the seat of decision making. Whatever ills you see in your country, instead of complaining, realize that you are the called out ones to make decisions to change it. Oh, okay, all right, okay, okay, that didn't go over so well. But you can be a part of what God is doing in the earth realm by serving in the local church, amen? Why? Because you are God's hands and you are God's feet. When God wants to go, he's going to send someone to go. 
The second reason is so that you can serve the body of Christ. Let us go now to 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 9 in the NIV. 1 Peter 4, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 9. It says, Offer hospitality to one another without what? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. What does it say in verse 10? Go to verse 10. Each of you, notice it didn't say the apostles or the prophets. It says each of you. In other words, everybody. Hunt your name and tell them everybody. Everybody has something to bring to the table. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says when you get together as a church, let one bring a song of praise. Let another bring a word of knowledge. Let another bring a word of prophecy. You know why? Because God has given everybody a gift so that they can be a part of what he is doing in the earth realm. So no one is excluded. He says each and every one of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? I didn't hear it. (laughs) To make yourself important? He says, man, you must use that gift because that gift was given to you to S-E-R-V-E. Serve. Others. Not even self-serve. To minister. The King James Bible says you were given. So everybody is a minister. Says you are given this gift to minister to others or to touch other people's lives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So when you serve or when you minister to others, you are fulfilling this verse. Each of you should use whatever gift that they have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There is a grace on your life for you to do what God has called you to do. There is something that you and you only can do the way that you and you only can do it. And you are shortchanging us when you hold back. Okay, all right, okay. Man, I'm telling you, we are all different. And God has called us to different aspects. And this is why as a local church, we have realized we can't just be, you know, holding hands and at the back of the beyond somewhere in four ways and have a nice little click and be disconnected with what's going in the universal body of Christ. This is why we join networks because we realize, hey, there's something that God has given us that we can give to the ultimate body of Christ. But there's something that God has given other people that we can receive and benefit from. And it's the same thing with this local body. There's something God can, has given me that I can use to minister to you, but there's something God has given you that you can use to minister to everybody and serve everybody. Yes. So everyone has something to give. Yes. Amen. Amen. Something uh, soprano, something alto, something baritone. <laughs> but they have to bring the baritone because we need it, right? Amen. Let us go to First uh, Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 19 in the Message Bible. So no one is excluded. The third reason why you should serve is so that the body of Christ may function excellently. Watch what it says here. But I also want you to think about how this keeps you significant from getting blown up into self-importance. Serving, man, serving helps you stay humble. Okay, all right. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Did you see it? 
an enormous eye, a big gigantic eye like this, <laughs> or a gigantic hand, wouldn't be a body. See, God is, is concerned with the body, but the state of the church is one big gigantic hand that everyone circles around and celebrate. Oh, pastor, you are so gifted. Pastor, you are so anointed. Pastor, what about you? Because God has called you too, and he has given you an anointing on your life. How many of you know that all of us are the anointed of Christ, and God has anointed us for a specific purpose? And when you don't be, bring that gift, you are shortchanging all of us. Yeah. He says the one big gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a what? A monster. What we have is one body with many parts. Each is proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or the head telling the foot, you are fired. Next verse. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part or the more invisible parts... See, because in the church, we think it's only the parts where you are visible, where you stand in front of people and minister. Those are the parts that I want. In fact, he says it works the other way around. The invisible parts, the lower uh, the part, the more basic, therefore, the more necessary. Yeah. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. Yeah. But no one sees your stomach. Yeah. Amen? When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. So don't compare yourself to someone else. In fact, the Bible says they that compared themselves among themselves were unwise in their dealings. When you start comparing yourself with someone else, it's the beginning of your downfall. Because you've changed your track. Now you're running into someone else's track. Amen? He says... You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher parts. Next verse. 25 to 26. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer a good digestion to a full-bodied hair? Man, when you get older, you know how important digestion is. How important your metabolism is. Because man, when you cross that 35, your body starts telling you, man, you know, <laughs> I'm keeping most of this stuff. Just so you know. If you eat a donut, hey, we're going to keep uh, at least 70% we are keeping. <laughs> so you know how important it is to have a good digestion. Next verse. The way God designed our bodies is a model. Someone say it's a model. It says it's a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't mention. The parts we see and the parts we don't see. If one part hurts, every other part is involved, that is involved in it is hurt in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. And this is talking about the same way your body looks is the same way the church universally looks and it's the same way the local church looks. Every part, every individual has a part to play. Yeah. You know why? Because church is not a cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, on a cruise ship, you wait for people to serve you, pamper you, you know, go to the spa, feed me, do something, entertain me, circus, something. But that's not the church. The church is a warship. All hands on deck. If you go to a warship, everyone is working. Everyone is doing something. Your job may be to put that little hook on that warship or on that uh, jet. But you need to do that job because if you don't, that thing is going to slip into the ocean. And that's what he's saying. He's saying every single one of us have been called. And the reason why we should serve is so that we can bring excellence to the body of Christ. Amen? Hunt your neighbor and tell them after today, man, you're going to be serving. You are going to be serving. Oh, man. The fourth reason, the fourth reason is serving is the cure for self-centeredness. You know, I listen to Andrew Womack a lot, and he has a teaching called self-centeredness is the source of all grief. And here's how he starts the teaching. He says, good morning. My name is Andrew Womack. And today I'm going to start a brand new series called Self-Centeredness, the Source of All Grief. And then here's how he starts the teaching. There is only one God and you are not Him. <laughs> I'm like, man, what a way to start a teaching. He says there's only one God who is to be worshipped, who is to be served, and He is not any of us. So we shouldn't be focusing on self. You know why? Because like he says, when you focus on self, it is the source of all grief. But when you so focus on God and receive his sufficiency, you begin to serve others with effectiveness. Amen? Why should I serve, Pastor T? I'm glad you have asked. I'm going to give you four reasons why you should serve. Why four? No other reason. Well, we're in four ways. So, <laughs> Four reasons why we should serve. Amen? How we should serve. I told you about why. Four reasons how you should serve. Let's go now to Daniel chapter number 6, verse 3. Daniel chapter number 6, verse 3. In the King James Bible, if you will. Then this Daniel was preferred above who? Presidents and princes. Did you see it? So Daniel was taken captive uh, in the land uh, Babylon was the land. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king. Daniel taken captive. It wasn't even his own land. But even in that land, the Bible says he was preferred above presidents and princes. Not just citizens of the land, but important. VIPs. He was preferred above them. Why? I wanted to know why Daniel was preferred above them. Because if I can know the reason, I can start applying it in my life and get the same. You know why? Because God is not a respecter of persons. God does not show favoritism. Amen? He says Daniel was preferred above presidents and princes because of an excellent spirit which was in him. Did you see it? Yeah. So when you decide to serve, you need to serve with excellence. Yeah. Amen. You need to serve with an excellent spirit. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Eric. He's one of our friends and some of you know Eric, he comes out here to sing and so on and so forth. And he just got this really awesome offer to lead about 26,000 university students uh, in uh, an organization with about 26,000 university students. They have a conference every year with about 26,000 of them. And this offer is like a huge position of influence uh, out in the U.S. So I was talking to Eric, I was like, man, how did you get this one? 
First of all, I asked him, I said, Eric, how much money are they paying you for this? And he told me, I was like, whoa, I need to get myself a job there too. I was like, how did you get this one? I was expecting Eric to say, you know, Pastor T, man, you know, I knew this guy and this guy called this other guy that I knew and then they hooked me up. He said, no, Pastor T, I've been serving faithfully since 1991. And I believe it's about time I start bumping into some blessing or something. Because I've been doing this. And if you know Eric, man, Eric is dedicated to his craft. Man, Eric is singing all the time. You could be at Nando's buying food and you say, man, I want quarter chicken and chips. You just, oh, quarter chicken and chips. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, Eric? He says, man, I'm practicing my runs. He's, run, he's writing songs everywhere. You, you're driving somewhere and he pulls out his phone and he says, yeah, and he does a chorus. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He says, this is how I write songs. This is how do you write songs? He says, I write songs all the time. I says, why? He says, this is my life. I'm dedicated to the craft, man. I'm going to be excellent at this. And some of our choir people here will tell you, Eric will not go on stage with uh, uh, something that's unfinished. You know, I know musicians, usually, you know, you practice and then, you know, there's a part none of you really understand. You're like, I will see it on stage. You will just go on stage. <laughs> Eric is like, no, man, if we can't do it perfect right now, I don't want to embarrass myself. You know why? Because he's pursuing an excellent spirit. What is an excellent spirit? It is a mental predisposition of wanting to present the best in your ability for whatever God has called you to do. Now, I remember joining a church in 2006, and at the time I joined, man, I was tired of church. I was tired. I'm like, man, I'm just tired. I don't want to serve. I don't want to do nothing. And I'd sit at the back and just chill, you know, entertain me, do something, but I'm not touching nothing. And then I went to a conference, and there was a gentleman, a traveling minister called Mensah Otterbill from Ghana, and he was preaching about having an excellent spirit, positioning yourself for promotion. Man, that sermon struck a cold. And I went back and I said, man, I want to serve. And I got a job as an usher. How many of you know that you can employ yourself in the house of God? Yeah. I wasn't getting paid, but to me it was a job. Because I knew God had given me this opportunity to serve, and I had to do it excellently. And a few months went by, and I was promoted and became the bus driver. So I'd go and pick up university students. And I'd drive my nice fancy car, leather seats and all, air conditioner, go and park it at Pastor Prince's house, and I'd get into the bus and drive it to go and pick up students. But before I even did that, I'd go and wash the bus. You know why? Because it was my bus. You know, I, I knew, man, with excellence, I can't be serving, you know, someone else's church or Vastity's church or the HODs. Man, it's my church and this is my bus. Man, I took it personally. If you threw some banana peels in that bus, man, it was, ooh, man. You know why? Because it was my bus. It was a spirit of excellence that I was pursuing. And that's all you need for God to start promoting you. He says he was preferred above presidents and princes because a, a, a spirit of excellence was found in him. Pastor T, you know, I've been pursuing this excellence thing, but, you know, my boss hates me. And he's not going to promote me. Well, let me show you something. Go to Psalm 75 from verse 6 to 7. God always promotes an excellent spirit. The excellent in spirit will always be promoted. You know, like a floater. Have you ever seen a floater in a swimming pool? That little thing you use to float? If you put it under your feet in a pool, when you take off your foot, what happens to it? 
It rises to the top. That's what happens to someone who pursues excellence. Man, you can take these principles and apply them in your job. And you will be promoted. You can take these principles and apply them in your ministry. And you will be promoted. You can take these principles and apply them to your family. And you will see promotion and increase. Man, some of you are called to be housewives. You're going to have to be a housewife with excellence. You can't have your husband coming back from work and a dooku on your head. You still have a dooku. 7 p.m. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, you have to be excellent. Amen. Watch what it says in uh, Psalm 75, 6. It says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Where does it come? But God. Someone say, but God. But God. It says, but God is the judge. In other words, he is the one. He is the one bringing promotion. It says, but God is the judge. He puts down one and setteth up another. So your promotion is in the hands of the Lord. It does not matter what your boss's opinion about you is. If you pursue excellence, he can't help it. But from, he'll tell you, man, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I, I'm giving you a raise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't explain it. I don't, it's logic because I don't like you, but I'm... You're getting 50% increase. Someone shout, I receive that. I receive. I'm receiving it for myself. Amen. Proverbs 21, verse 1. Let me show you. If your boss doesn't like you, it don't matter. Proverbs 21, verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. So the people in authority, their hearts are in the hands of the Lord. And like the rivers of water or like a stream, he turns it whithersoever he wills. In other words, he directs who this heart will begin to favor. Amen. So your promotion is coming directly from God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And when you serve with excellence, man cannot stop you. Amen. Man, you're looking at a man who worked... Uh, uh, and I can share about this because now we're laughing about it with the same man who fired me. You're looking at a man that worked for a church for five years as a pastor, didn't get a penny in salary, got kicked out because there were apparently some new people with new money and new connections that wanted to take over the reins. But that didn't stop me. You know why? Because you can't stop a man with an excellent spirit. And I was meeting with him, and we were laughing about it. And he said to me, you know, Pastor G, I always knew I was making the wrong decision. He said, no, you didn't, because you didn't have made it. And, you know, we laughed and chatted about it. Mm. But that's what happens. No one can stop you yeah. when you pursue excellence. Yeah. You know why? Because God is your ultimate rewarder. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. So the first thing you must do is serve with an excellent spirit. Amen. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 5. Oh, man, my time is up. Okay, can I get seven more minutes? Seven more minutes? Okay. Ephesians chapter number six, verse five. You've been taking down notes, write this down. Serve as unto the Lord and not mere man. Ephesians chapter number six, verse five. Say, servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as unto Christ. Next verse. Not with eye service as man pleases. So you, you just don't do work when your boss is looking. <laughs> or you don't execute with excellency when someone is looking. 
you know, they have a show on YouTube. Uh, I think ABC started this show called What Would You Do? So they had a show one day where they put money in a wallet and they put the card who, uh, for the person who owned the wallet, like an identity card. So instantly when you pick up the wallet, you open it, you know this wallet belongs to this person. They put a little phone number there. If lost, please call so and so. And they put the wallet down. And the people were walking past. And then almost 90% of the people that picked up the wallet, after they picked it up, they looked around first. And then when they saw no one was watching, they took the money and threw the wallet in the bin. And then they would come out with all the cameras and say, oh man, that was just a prank. <laughs> and then people are like, oh man, you know, I wasn't doing that. I was actually going to, like, uh, no, you were not. And here's what almost every single one of them gave and there's an answer when they were asked, why did you take the money? They said, because I thought no one was looking. So they were serving men. And you know what the Bible says about serving men and the fear of men and reverencing men and so on and so on? It says it's a dangerous trap. Man, when you go to work, when you sign off your project, when you sign off a report and hand it over to the boss, it's not just a Tafara report. This is a kingdom report. You are representing the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are saying this is what we do in our kingdom for some sloppiness. And God, God takes it personally. This is why he's saying to slaves. He didn't say slaves, start a revolution and rebel. He said serve faithfully. Not with eye service as men pleases. Why? He tells you why. Doing the will of God from the heart. Next verse. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to man. So even when you serve in the church, you're not serving your HOD. You're not serving Pastor T. You're serving God. And it is God who will promote you. Amen. Hallelujah. Next verse. Watch what happens. Knowing that whatsoever. Someone say whatsoever. whatsoever. It says knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does. Anybody. Whatsoever good thing anybody does. The same shall ye receive from their boss. The same shall receive when it's bonus time. No, the same shall ye receive from the Lord, whether he be bond or free. He didn't say the same shall ye receive from the government. Listen, government housing ain't got nothing on what the Lord can bless you with. And when you serve as unto the Lord... It will come directly from the throne room of heaven. And honey, it will look like heaven. Man, you need to serve and execute as unto the Lord. Not unto mere man. You know why? Because your reward will come from God. And God does not waste excellent vessels and faithful vessels. Amen? I said amen. Let us go now to Luke chapter number 9, verse 62. Is this good? Man, you can take this to the marketplace and they won't stop you. Man, I've heard of testimonies where people get promoted who in the physical and in the natural didn't look like the right candidate. But they pursued an excellent spirit and they couldn't help but just promote them. So many testimonies. Man, I've heard of people 
So many countless testimonies. My wife got a job while she was pregnant. Who hires someone who is eight months pregnant? Because you know what? They're not even going to work the nine months. They're going to be away for nine months. Plus three more months or four more months or whatever the uh, maternity is. But guess what? When you have an excellent spirit, man, it's God who's bringing it. Man, after they signed that contract, they'll be like, what did I? Whoa. But guess what? I mean, even when he wanted to feed Elijah, he could have used a dove. Yeah. You know, a kind, nice, gentle spirit. No, he went and chose the, a, a raven, a bird with a ravenous spirit. Greedy. Kukara. He says, this is the bird I'm going to use to heap up food for you, to bless you. The most unlikely bird to ever heap up food for anyone. That's the one I want to use. You know why? Because he was making a point. But most people, when they look at the raven and they calculate, they're like, oh, man, oh, oh, oh. Man, stop calculating and pursue excellence and God is going to promote you. And you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? Watch what he says in Luke 9. 62. And Jesus said unto him, no man. Someone say no man. No. Uh, women included, right? Yep. He says, no man having put his hand to the plow. Yeah. How many of you know a plow? How many of you have ever been to the country that you know an ox drawn plow? That you put two hands on? How many of you have ever used it? <laughs> what would happen if you put your hands to the plow and turned back? Man, that thing will cut your leg. That thing will hurt you. And Jesus here is saying, man, you need to serve with consistency. You need to serve on a good day, on a bad day, on a day you don't feel like it. Man, I wake up sometimes and I feel like I don't want to preach to nobody. I just want to stay at home and cuddle up. And just watch a series or do something with my life. Amen? But Jesus is saying, man, once you put your hands to the plow, there is no looking back. He says, if you look back, here's what happens. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, man, I know we need people to work in the kingdom and I know we need people to serve in the church, but I don't want those. I know, I don't, no, no, no. <laughs> Amen? See, once you put your hands to the plow, man, there has to be a consistency. Amen. This is it. This is it. Whether I feel like it, whether I don't, man, I'm going to be serving the kingdom of God and do it with gladness while I'm at it. Amen? Let's go to Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 and close. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. If you're taking down notes, serve with a gladness of heart, number four. And this is God bringing an indictment against the children of Israel. He says, because thou served not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So God's issue with the children of Israel was not serving because they were serving. His issue was they were serving with a terrible attitude. They were serving with a stinking attitude. 
And God is saying, man, I don't want to. Even concerning us bringing offerings to him. You remember what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9? He says, don't do it begrudgingly or out of necessity. Why? Because God loves a what? Cheerful, happy, and hilarious. He says, man, if you're going to do it, you better do it with a smile on your face. You better act like you're enjoying it. You better bring some joy and some gladness. Amen? And here's what he goes on to say in verse 48. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, whom the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, and in thirst, and in nakedness, and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. Now this is not going to happen to you. You know why? Because we have redeemed from the curse of the law. But here's what will happen to you when you don't serve with a gladness. Nothing. I don't want nothing happening in my life. Man, I want promotion. I want progress. I want moving forward. I want something. Something has to change. I want transformation and metamorphosis. Something has to change. I can't look the same way I looked last year. Man, I can't drive the same old truck. They're getting ready to put a canopy on that thing. Man, I can't. Man, I'm telling you, I'm believing God for something better. Man, I'm going to be looking like an old man driving that thing, man. Can't look the same. Amen. And how do you change? How do you get promoted? Not out of fear of this, because this you've already been redeemed by Jesus the Christ. But fear of stagnation. You don't even have to be afraid of it, but just I don't want to be stagnant. The same place. So how do I get God to promote me? I start working for Him. And I was talking to one young girl who came to me, Pastor T. You know, I want. Will you please pray for me? I said, What is it for? She said, Man, I want the job of my dreams. I want to work as a boss, a manager in an office, nice office, air conditioned, corner office in Santa. I said, Wow. I said, Here's what we're gonna do. I want you to employ yourself in the church. I said, I want you to do something. Get yourself a job in the church. How many of you know that you can get yourself in the, a job in the church for free today? If you see a, a, a chair that's skewed in a row, just move it. You've, you've gotten yourself a job in the church. Man, if you see a toilet that's dirty, just clean it. You know, take care of it. You've gotten yourself a job. If you see a paper on the floor, pick it up. That's it. Man, I'm working. So I told the man, you know, serve something. You know, then they joined one department, served for about three months fought with everybody in that department, got fired. Man, if you get fired at a church, you get fired at a church. Man, after about three months, I was like, you know what? We're not going to fast and pray for this thing because guess what? It's not going to happen. I can't be missing Nando's. Fasting and praying with you and you are breaking all the principles of promotion. No, I can't be doing that. Got a chicken, chips, you know, not chips, peri peri wedges. Uh, no, no. Mozambican paprika. What is it? Man, I'm telling you, that thing is good. Man, I can't wait for church to be over. I'm telling you, that thing is good. I can't be missing it, fasting with you, and you're breaking all the principles of promotion. No, I'm going to Nandas. Until you start serving with excellence and, you know, just do what the Bible says. And then we can pray for you to get a corner office in Santa. 
often we hear of stories of people being head hunted. People don't head hunt sloppy people. Man, I'm telling you, and these principles apply to both believers and unbelievers. The problem is we pray and we go into the marketplace and act sloppy. No, you could pray and go into the market and be excellent and have a double portion. But here's the thing. People in the marketplace are bringing an excellent spirit and they get promoted. Amen. There are people who head hunt you. God, let's go to Psalm 16. One more. Psalm 16, verse 3. Psalm 16, verse 3. And then we close. Just one more and we are. What time? Watch what he says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but to the saints that are on the earth and to the what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. What about them? Come on, read, read those five words. Six words. Some of my delight. Says there are two kinds of people in the earth. They are the saints, which is everybody. But there's another group of people called the excellent in whom there is all my delight. Ah, man, I love those people. I find delight in those people. Excellent people. And God is not saying you have to wear a three-piece suit, you have to wear a Gucci or whatever. He's saying whatever you have, at least wash it and iron it. Present it at its best. He's saying work with what you got. Aren't you never say work with what? Work with what you have. You don't have to look at J Lo and feel like oh J Lo. No, work with what you have. Work with what you have. Where you are, and you don't have to wait. You know, I always tell our pastors, yeah, you don't have to wait until there's a thousand people. You know, some pastors say, Man, I'm gonna preach my best sermon when there's a thousand. Yeah, when a thousand people come, then I start preaching. Ah, today there's only 50. Yeah, just preach whatever. No, you have to bring your best foot all the time. I got an invitation a few weeks ago uh, through my wife to go and minister at a marketplace. Uh, ministry, they wanted a clergy on the panel. And this was a huge opportunity, a huge event. But here was the problem. They told me the night before. So I said yes. And then I thought about it. And I said, no, I can't. Because I'm not heavily meditated on this issue. I'm not studied enough to go and represent the kingdom talking about what I don't know. No, I can't do it. Great opportunity. Could have been ministering to thousands of uh, marketplace leaders said no I can't do it said we're gonna have to meet and when you have another opportunity in the future you tell me at least three months and I prepare you know I share with my pastors here yeah, by the time I'm preaching a sermon to you I've preached it to myself at least ten times you know why because man when God gives me sermons they are primarily for me man, I need to change some things and I need to work on some things and man when he gives me a sermon I know this is for me and when we uh, visit a new city, I make it a point to visit another church, go into the parking lot, walk in, see what the greeters greet like, see how the people act, see how they welcome me. You know why? Because I'm an emotive learner. I'm consistently learning so that we can be better at what we do. You know why? Because people judge you based on what you do. Because people are carnal. If they were spiritual, they didn't need to come to church, right? They would hear from God at home. You would speak to them spiritually at home. People are carnal, so they're going to judge all oh, the music was crap. Oh, man, I'm listening to this sermon. I'm telling the guys, man, when you record this sermon, man, I want it excellent. 
you know, I was sitting in a plane flying out to Los Angeles and I heard Rachel, she was sitting with Bishop Dave right behind me, talked to Bishop Dave, Rachel Lally, she's from New Jersey, and she said something interesting and I was like, wait, what was that? And she said, you said it. I said, what do you mean? She said, you said it in one of your sermons. I said, which one? She said, the ones you post weekly. I said, you listen to them? She said, yeah, I listen to all of them. I was like, man, you just don't know who's listening to this sermon. record something and it doesn't come out a certain way, you know, the guys always say, man, but that sermon is powerful, the words are powerful, Pastor G, let's put it out there. And I'm like, I'm not going to put nothing. That sounds like a Nigerian movie, you know, all No. 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 You know why? Because people are kind of, like, man, this man is preaching good, but it's irritating. God wants us to serve with an excellent spirit. Amen? And I'm telling you, you take these principles to the marketplace, you cannot keep an excellent man down. You can't do it. Because this promotion comes from the Lord. Why don't you say, thank you for these, your children. Thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we thank you for whatever gifts and callings you have placed on the side of you. Lord, we thank you that from today onwards they will begin to serve, minister one to another with these precious gifts. Lord, we thank you that they will not hold back, but that they will put their fingerprint on the body of Christ. That they will put their hands and also become a part of what you're doing in the earth realm. Lord, we thank you for an excellent spirit. Lord, we thank you for serving with consistency. Lord, we thank you for a boldness. We thank you, Father, for a gladness of heart. And we thank you for an attitude that focuses on you and say, I'm not serving mere man, but I'm serving God Almighty. And often shall I receive my reward. And it is in you, in the name of Jesus, that we have prayed all of this and declared these, your children, blessed. Coming in and going out. Blessed in the city and in the field. Blessed in the ministry and in the marketplace. Blessed in everything that they do. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. And someone gave God a big shout of amen. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Thank you, Jesus. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.